Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. It is not uncommon at all for me to have a conversation with somebody once in a while about their faith background. I'm asking that question all the time when I meet people. Tell me about your faith background. Tell me, you know, you're, you're a Christian. How did that happen for you? Um, you're not a Christian. You know, what, what's going on in your world? You know, sometimes I run into people and they're like, you're a pastor. Just stay away from me. Um, and I'm like, well, tell me why that is. Why do you have that attitude and what's going on with you? So I'm constantly talking to people about their faith or the lack thereof and, and, and kind of what goes into it. But what, what often happens when I'm talking to someone of faith and they've kind of grown up and matured in their faith, part of their story is, you know, I felt this nudging. I, I, I got involved in this ministry and it really helped me. I went on this mission trip. And, it, and God showed me some things and spoke to me in ways I'd never heard before, and it just changed my life and changed the way I looked at things. Um, they felt a nudge to get involved. They felt a call. They heard God somewhere in their spirit calling them to something, to do something. And, and as they tell their story, they'll say something like this. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't really feel like I was experienced enough. I didn't feel spiritual enough. I didn't feel like I knew enough, I wasn't smart enough, and, and I was afraid that I would make a fool of me. Does that sound like anybody you know? I'm, I don't know about you, but that's one of my biggest fears is that I'll look foolish in front of a large group of people. So what I do is I get up and speak every Sunday. <laughs> but they say, I just felt like I should be involved. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had any of the right things. I didn't feel like I was smart enough, spiritual enough, speak well enough. Do, I just didn't feel like I could do any of it right, but I just felt called. I felt like I should be involved in it. Sometimes they'll say something like, I just felt like God was nudging me to get involved. And so they took a risk. They jumped in with both feet and they got involved. Maybe they were scared. Maybe they felt unprepared. I think that's how some of us feel. And they saw God do some amazing things around them and, and, and sometimes through them. And, and it became a part of their faith story. And they would tell you, that's how I got close to God. That's how I got to the place I am today because I was involved in some things where God just really showed himself to me. So today, I want to talk a little bit about that tension and that fear that we all have. Um, it's possible that some of you, maybe many of you, are in, a, are in a tug of war with God over something just like that. Now let me just, just address something real quick. Sitting in my notes, but I just feel like I should say it. This message, we talked about this message in staff meeting several weeks ago, and, and this is a really important message for our church because this is a message that you would want as many cross-lane people to hear as possible, right? We've been praying for this. We've done some special things around this. Um, really wanted as many ears to hear this as possible, and then viruses show up and people stay away from church, and they even, the governor's even telling certain churches not even to meet, Right? Um, and you go, well, what's up with that? Here's, what, here's my thing. Here's what I've learned in ministry all along. God puts the people in the path. God puts the ears on a sermon that need to hear the sermon. If you're here today, God probably has something to say to you, okay? I'm not worried that there aren't as many of us. That doesn't bother me in the least, okay? It's not, I, what, I, what I would have said to the band if I could have talked to them was way to go. The building's not full. It's, it's kind of you know, kind of understated today. Things are a little different today, but the band rocked this morning. They played their hearts out. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to preach my little heart out this morning. Like the place is full because here's the thing. God has something to say to somebody in the room who desperately needs to hear 
what we're going to talk about this morning. I suspect several of us need to hear it. So there's something that, that God keeps bringing to your attention, right? There's something that, that God just kind of won't leave you alone about it. It's kind of like if you've ever been preparing to buy a new car and you've kind of isolated what car you like or what car you want to buy and then all of a sudden you start seeing that car all over town. You know what I'm talking about? And then you say this to yourself, don't you? See, it's God's will that I have that car. <laughs> right? It's God's will. He keeps putting it in my path. It's God's will. And somehow we can understand that when it comes to a car, but we don't necessarily understand that or buy into that whenever it's ministry. And God's like, here it is again. Here it is again. I want you to do it again. I see, here it is again. I'm not going to leave you alone about this. And he's, it's, I think it's just like at some point God's waiting on you to go, okay, I'm all in. And here's what I want you to understand. The issue and the tension that you feel is not just so that you will benefit a particular group like Cross Lane. I mean, yes, your, your involvement in some kind of ministry would improve and would help Cross Lane. There's no question about it. But, but it's, it's really not the benefit that it's going to come for any particular group. Uh, maybe the bigger issue for you is that God wants to do something in you. He wants to use something or somebody or a bunch of somebodies as you do service to do a, a big work in you and to build your faith and increase your faith to get you outside of your comfort zone so that you, you open yourself up to something new. Here's what I believe God wants to do in your life. Whoever you are, whatever your life experience, faith level, all that kind of stuff, he is inviting all of us outside of what is comfortable. Okay, he, he, that's, that's one of the things God does. He's going to constantly call us out of things that are, that are comfortable for us. He's inviting us many times out of our skill set. You know, we, we're like, you're like, I don't have the skills for that. I don't care. Just come on. Go with us. I've, I've been on mission trips and watched people do things on mission trips they didn't think they could do, but they were saying to God, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And you see them step into it, and it's just the most beautiful thing in the world. He's inviting you out of your experience and that tension, that wrestling match that you've been having with God. And, you know, you're, maybe you're not having it now, but you will soon. Some of you are in the middle of it right now. Some of what, as I'm talking about this, you're like, I can't believe he's talking about this. You know, I've been trying to ignore God on this for months. And here he is. Brett's going to dedicate a whole message to this. You know, I should have gotten coronavirus. This is what should have happened. So... What I'm hoping to help you understand today is that this is a faith issue. This is a faith issue. That in the same way that we need uh, to exercise our physical muscles, right, we need to exercise our spiritual muscles. We need to build them up. And serving and volunteering is a way that God does that. Now, one of the best examples of this is a very familiar story for you in our Christian Bibles. It's a story told by Matthew. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, verse 13. And the last hour just flew by for me, so I really got to watch the clock. But Matthew 14, verse 13. In the middle of this story, there's a statement that Jesus makes that describes better than anything else in the New Testament the issue that all of us wrestle with or have wrestled with at some point in our faith journey as it relates to this issue of getting outside our comfort zone. And serving God in a way that, that maybe makes us uncomfortable. So let, let's just kind of dive in. Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, and I'm going to explain that to you in a minute, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now what has just happened? 
What's just happened is Jesus has learned that his cousin and dear friend, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. Okay? John the Baptist had this nasty habit of talking about King Herod and his wife. And he kept making them the point of his sermon illustrations, and they didn't like it. And the problem was, Herod had stolen his wife from his brother Philip. Okay? And he went and married her, and it was inappropriate, and it was scandalous, and you know, it was talked about by a lot of people, and John the Baptist wouldn't shut up about it. And eventually they got so fed up and so mad at him about it, somebody said, let's kill him. And they went and got John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is beheaded. So when he hears about his cousin, he, he wants to get off by himself. Now, it's interesting to me that the Bible says it the way it says it. It says that Jesus intended to go off by himself. And what I want you to notice is his intentions get interrupted. The Son of God, Jesus, God in the flesh, has an idea, he's got a plan, and his plans get changed. You know, you think when God has plans, God's plans don't ever get changed. Well, no. This, this, in this case, it's like he's, he's going to have to adjust. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot. So he's going to try to get to a solitary place. He can't get there because the crowd just follows him, right? And they show up. And so... Uh, they hear that, that Jesus is going to head off. They go around the lake to find him, and they, they spend like half a day trying to get to him because, you know, he may be in mourning, but we need him. We need, we need. Did you, anybody ever see What About Bob, the movie What About Bob? There's a scene in there where he's like, I need, I need. Well, that's, that's these people that are following Jesus everywhere he goes. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, healed their sick, and as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now, the disciples are just like you and me. Here's what I mean. When you start getting hungry, your body is letting your mind know, hey, we need to kind of sashay over here where the food is, right? If you're out in the middle of nowhere and your stomach starts to rumble, one of the first questions you're going to have is, Where's the local restaurant? Where can I get some food? And you're going to start making your move away from being in a remote place to a place where there's food available to you because we don't like to be hungry. And so these guys are out in the middle of nowhere. People start getting hungry. And, you know, and the disciples are like, Jesus, these, these guys, these people are probably hungry. That's code for Jesus, we're hungry, right? Trying to make themselves look spiritual like we're worried about these other people. Truth of it is probably I'm hungry, so Jesus, we need to do something here. And it's here that this story gets really applicable as it relates to your experience and mine. Verse 16, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. Because the disciples are saying, hey, we need to send them off to go get some food. Okay, we need, we need to get them, send them away so they can go get something to eat. He's like, no, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, they're out in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus says, I recognize they're hungry. I recognize you're hungry. And I realize we're in the middle of nowhere, and I know that they need to eat, but guys, they don't need to go anywhere. Just feed them. Now, I don't know how that would hit you, but that would frustrate me. I don't have any way to feed them, Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense. So this is the tension that as a Christian, if you're not facing it now, at some point in your life, you're going to face this, and it's kind of exciting. It's that tension you feel when you sense that some, someone or something has a need, 
and you feel like you should be a part of it, and you're called to it. You're, there's a nudging there. It's that tension that you feel when I stand up here and tell you that today, maybe not right now, but, but soon, um, we're going to have needs all over this building. We do have some needs today that need to be met. And it's that tension that you feel as I go through that list, and you're like, well, I could do that, and I know how to do that, and I don't have that very well, but I got the time. Or I could do that. It's that tension you feel when I start talking about the needs in the church and, and God starts to nudge you a little bit. Um, you know, it's that tension you feel when I say something like, our children's ministry really needs volunteers, which is true. But specifically, what I'm looking for are some men volunteers with our little kids. Because here's my theory. I think that churches, the healthiest churches on the planet are churches that have men on their knees teaching, playing with, and helping little kids and showing them what it is to be loved by Jesus. Here's the thing. Women, it's not that you're not important. Quite the opposite. Women see a need and they respond, right? Women, when something's not right, women step up and say, I'm going to fix that. Men oftentimes don't do that. And so women know that little kids need to be taught about Jesus, and we have some really wonderful women and men who are teaching them but we need more. We need a lot more, and specifically, we need some more men. I would just love it if some of you guys would say, you know what, I don't know anything about children's ministry, but I love Jesus, and, I'm, and they need me, so I'm going to step into it. Um, we need some men to get on their knees and teach little kids about Jesus. We need help in the sound desk. We need help with the lights. You know, we need to make sure that the projection's right, and you're like, I don't know anything about any of that stuff. We could teach you about that kind of stuff. Basically, Jesus is saying, look, if there's a need, meet it. If you see something that needs to be done, do something about it. Don't stand back. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Um, you know, we can always use nursery workers. We need people that are prayers. We need uh, ministry. There's ministry needs all over. We got people that we need, especially with winter, summer coming, to mow the grass. Everybody's all happy to mow grass when it's April and May, and the grass is green and lush and beautiful and wonderful. They're not so happy to mow grass when it's late August, right? Um, we always need people to mow grass. Got lots of it to mow. And you're tempted to say, no, 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 I don't meet those needs. I pray for people. <laughs> I pray for the people that are doing those ministries. I, that's my job. I'm a prayer person. Well, I think sometimes God says, no, I want you to do it. I want you to step in, and I want you to do it. I, don't want, I mean, pray for them if you want to, but I, I want you to be doing something. So... Um, and you're aware that you don't, you're not trained. You're aware that you don't know everything. You're, you, you know all that. You know that you don't have the time for it, but there will be a point in your faith journey in following Jesus where you just feel something on the inside of you, and it's not a voice. It's, it's just something that you can't get away from. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not guilt, okay? That's not my goal this morning. My goal is not to make you feel guilty and have you leave here and go, man, I'm, I'm an awful Christian. I mean, I'm, I just... You know, I feel guilty. If, if you leave today and you feel guilty, I did it wrong. Because my heart is not guilt at all. My heart is not to make anybody in here feel guilty for not stepping into something. My goal is that you step into it and your faith increase. That's my job as a pastor. My job as a pastor is to help put you in positions to where your faith increases and it grows. Where something happens inside you and you're like, you know what? I wasn't at this place Two months ago. I wasn't at this place two years ago. I'm, it's like, Todd, I'm so much further along now than I was two years ago because God's doing something on the inside of me. And so the disciples do what we do in this circumstance. They start to make excuses. Verse 17, 
We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. In other words, we can't do this, Jesus. We don't know how to feed these people. We don't have the money, the, the, the equipment for that or, or the stuff for that. We're, we're the wrong guys for this job. We, we, we just, we're not prepared for this. We don't have what it takes. Verse 18, Jesus says, bring them to me. Those five loaves, those two fish, bring them to me. And I just think that Jesus says that to all of us. Okay, just what you have, bring to me. Well, Jesus, I didn't even finish college. And Jesus would say, well, how much college did you have? Two years. I had two years of college. Okay, then bring me those two years. Okay, if that's all you got, just bring me those two years. Well, God, I hardly know the Bible. Well, how much Bible do you know? This much. Okay, then bring me this much. Bring me this much, and I'll show you what I can do with that much. Well, God, I, you know, I just, I don't know that I have that much time. God would say, how much time do you have? Well, I got this much time. Okay, then give that to me. What you have in your hand, give it to me, and watch what I do with what you give to me. Is it, but God, it's not a lot. And God, I think God would say, it's never a lot when you compare it to what I've got. These people that think they have all this great, you know, I got all this stuff, not compared to God. Whatever little bit you've got, God says, hey, sh- what do you have? What's in your hand? Well, just this. Well, then bring it to me. Bring it here. And that's exactly what the disciples do. He directed, verse 19, he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves of, of, and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves, then he gave them to the disciples. Now, I've seen this verse used to talk about why we should say prayers before we eat our food. Um, that's, I don't, to me, that's a, a real religious way to look at this verse. If you pray before your meals, that's wonderful. I wouldn't discourage you from doing that. Way to go, good job, love that. But I think the bigger issue is the idea that it's just Jesus' nature to be grateful. It's just his nature, it's it's the place from which he lives. I think we should live a life of gratitude all the time. And I don't know that the, I mean, I'm sure that I've heard sermons preached on this about how you should pray before every meal because that's what Jesus did. I think that's short-sighted. I think the bigger issue is Jesus lived his life from a place of great gratitude. So it was just very natural for him before he does this, like I know God's about to do this big thing here and I just want to give thanks. Just going to stop for a minute and give thanks. Now imagine you're, you're a disciple, you're standing there, Jesus takes these loaves and fish, he breaks it, he hands it out to these 12 guys and you maybe have enough food in your hands for you. Right? On a good day, I'm trying to watch what I eat a little bit these days. I mean, check this figure out. I mean... You know, it ain't easy doing this. But there was a time when I, if it was in front of me, I would eat it, right? And there was a time that if you gave me, when they say loaves, they probably weren't very big, right? There was a time if you gave me five loaves and two fishes, I'd be looking at everybody else like, what are y'all eating? Right? Because this is mine. And Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish, he breaks that up among the 12. They're probably looking at that thinking, this isn't enough to feed us. I mean, this isn't even enough to feed me. And then he says, go feed everybody. (laughs) What do you do? What do you do with that? You got this stuff in your hand. And we all know what happened next. They start handing out the fish. I just imagine this. You know, they've got baskets. They were told that they have baskets. And they got this little bit. And here's what goes on. You've got to reach in the basket 
and hand it to somebody. And when you do, your, hand, your eyes go away from the basket to the person you're handing it to, right? And just imagine being a disciple. I'm reaching in. I'm going to hand it to you. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to reach in. Wait a minute. There's more in there. I'm going to hand it to you. And you reach in. Look in the basket. There's more in there. And the more you hand out, the more is in your basket. And you don't know how it's happening. You just know that the increase is happening. You just, it's just, it's it's inexplainable. And here's what's funky about this to me. It floors me that people believe in God, but don't believe God can do something like this. Right? A lot of people who say they believe in God, but don't believe in miracles. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. If you believe in God, it's, it's no big leap to think that God can take a little bit of fish and some loaves and turn that into something to feed as many people as he's going to feed. Verse 19, the disciples gave them to the people. They did what they knew how to do. And I think that they knew that God was going to do something special with it. So they did what they knew how to do, trusting that Jesus would do what only Jesus knows how to do. See, when you feel that internal nudging, when you feel that thing in you that says, I want you to serve, I want you to sign up, I want you to fill out the application, I want you to go on that mission trip, whatever it is that God's calling you to, when you hear God say, I want you, I know you're comfortable, I want you to step out of your comfort zone. I want you to, I want you to do this differently. Um, we, we come up with all kinds of excuses. We're, we're the masters at making excuses for things. Our responsibility every single time is very simple. Do what you know how to do and trust God with the result. The tension you feel, the fear that you feel is your faith. That's what you feel. That's the thing that's growing in you. It's a confidence in God muscle that you are working out and it's getting bigger. When you exercise that muscle, you're going to get closer to God. That is the thing that God is doing inside of you, preparing you for something that, that he's, he's just exercising. He's growing your faith. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I want to leave out because I'm kind of in a hurry. Um, here's the thing. The, the future size of your faith, you, you don't know how big it could be. You know, it's like some of you, you know, you work out, you run, you get on Stairmasters and things like that. You're, and if we were to check your muscles, you know, there's tone there, there's, there's, you're, there, there's firmness, the muscles are in good shape. And there's others of you, if we were to check, you know, you don't do those kind of things. You're not exercising well. If we were to check your muscles, they would, there would be some flab, there would be some lax, you know, it just wouldn't be the same. But there's potential for it to be there. There's potential for there to be tone. There's potential for there to be great strength and great um, you know, um, firmness, or I don't know, I'm not, a, I'm not a physical trainer guy. I'm not one of those. But there's potential if you wanted to do it. Same thing with your faith. You, you never know what your faith could look like until you step into some things where God says, hey, I'm going to lead you over here and have you do this. And trust me, it's going to make you grow. But it's out of our comfort zone. See, what's at stake is not the needs of the church. It's not the, what's at stake is not the needs of whatever organization you're going to serve. Now, do we need, have needs? Yes. Do we have things that we need people to step into and, and help us with? Absolutely. Church doesn't happen unless people, good people step in and do stuff. 
But, but here's the thing. God's will is going to get accomplished. I believe that. God's going to do the things through Cross Lane that he intends for us to do, with you or without you. But if God is going to extend an invitation for you to get involved in that, don't you think it's a good idea to say, yes, God, I would love to participate in that, right? Don't you think that's going to work out better for you? And, oh, by the way, hi-ho, it's going to help us. So it's a win-win kind of thing. What's at stake is the size and capacity of your faith, which impacts your intimacy with God. And that's my whole mission as your pastor is to increase that in you right? To increase your intimacy, to increase your, your faith muscles so that they really are we're op- operating at, at optimum levels. And it's our responsibility to say, God, I'm just going to do what, what you, know, you do. I'm just going to trust you to do it. You look anywhere in the world where God has done something amazing, and what you're going to find are people who have said yes to God. Yes, God, I'll do that. It's out of my comfort zone. I don't know how to do it. I don't understand it. But I, I, yes, I'll step into it, and I'm going to do it. The story continues in verse 20. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And scholars guesstimate this to be somewhere between eight and 10,000 people that get fed. And I know you hear that, you know, some people hear that and are like, right, God fed that many people with just a couple of fish and, and these loaves. You started that sentence with God, right? It's not that hard for me to figure out. It's just, I just expect God to do things like that. And the disciples didn't walk away from that and go, we should start a business. Holy cow. No, they did what anybody who experiences these kind of things say. They go away and they say, it wasn't us. We didn't do anything. God did an amazing thing through us. Look at what God did. And so... Jesus, you know, it's not like Jesus is looking around going, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. You know, what can I do? I got one. I'll feed 10,000 people with two fish and five loaves. That'll get them. That's not what God's doing. I think think Jesus knew that he's about to turn this whole thing over to these disciples. They are not ready, right? We all know they weren't ready. And and, and Jesus had a very specific agenda for them, and he's going to hand this whole thing off to these disciples. He's like, i got to get these guys ready. they got to understand, this is going to fall on them at some point. So this is all to teach the disciples that they need to trust him more. And as soon as class 101 is over, 101 classes are your freshman year in college, now the 201 class is going to start. Okay, So we just watched them feed the 5,000 or the more, That's the 101 class. We go right into the 201 class. Verse 22, immediately, and that's important because these two stories are connected. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd, which (laughs) I would love to see Jesus try to dismiss this crowd, right? 10,000 people, he just miraculously fed. He's been healing people all day long. Can you imagine how festive the mood is? Can you imagine looking at a guy you just gave his sight back to and fed miraculously, and you look at him and say, okay, go home now? What do you think the answer to that is? Uh-uh. I'm not leaving you. This is working out great for me. I'm following you forever, right? I don't want to leave you. Immediately, he he. he he, dismiss, he makes the disciples get in a boat and dismiss the crowd. He says, you're dismissed. And they're like, I don't think so. 
Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. See, he's still trying to get away. He still has grieving to do. He's, he's, he's not in the best place. He's, he's, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And this is about to become a 201 level class. So now these guys are rowing across the lake. This is something they've done all their life. You know, this is, should be easy for them. But they're rowing, and they're not making any headway. They're not getting anywhere. The wind's blowing. It's stopping them. You know, they think to themselves, I could do this in my sleep. What's wrong? Why isn't this working? And they're a considerable distance out. It's dark. They're rowing against the wind. They're getting frustrated. They're not making any progress. Verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, which is shortly before dawn, so they've been at this all night. Walk, they, they, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. That tells you, that gives you some insight into their, where they are spiritually, right? Where they are. They, they, they are not expecting this to be Jesus. They're terrified. The next words, it's a ghost, they said. These are our spiritual giants. These are, you know, these are the ones following Jesus. They cried out in fear. They thought it was a ghost. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter has an insight. I think Peter's mindset is a little different than the rest of them. We kind of know that just based on the way Peter was, right? But Peter has this idea, oh, I see what's going on. We just fed all these people with just this little bit of food that we had. Jesus is up to something here. If he's calling me out on the water, that's someplace I want to be. Jesus is up to something here. I see what he's doing. He, we, he just went through this thing. I want to see what he's up to. And it is if a light bulb goes off in Peter's mind. And he says, I, you know, I think we can do anything that Jesus asks us to do. So if he's asking me to come out on the water, I'm out on the water. And so he decides to test his theory. Listen to what happens next. This is important. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, and I'm really hoping it's you, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, this is important. Peter understood. Peter knew. I can't just jump out of the boat and say, I'm trusting Jesus. You, you can't do that. That's not faith. That's stupidity. I've watched people who haven't really prayed over something, haven't really thought it through all the way. I've watched them reach into their savings and take almost all their savings and put it into something stupid and say, well, you know, I, I just really think God wants me to do this. Well, whoa, 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 have you prayed about this? I mean, what's behind you doing this? Well, I just, you know, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I just want to do this and I'm going to give him my money and I just think this is what ought to happen. Has, but, but have you, are you hearing God say that? I mean, how long have you been praying about this? And, and, and specifically, what is God saying to you that would make you go all in like this? I mean, have you heard God's call on this particular matter? Well, you know, Brett, I don't really know what God's call sounds like. I just love the Lord. No, Peter understood the lesson, and the lesson is whenever the Savior asks me to do something, that's when I respond. I respond when the Savior asks me to do something, not just on my own. I'm just not making this stuff up as I go. I'm, you know... When Jesus asks me, I might embarrass myself, but if I'll, I'll be embarrassed for Jesus, but I don't want to embarrass myself. Right? So Peter understands, look, I need Jesus to invite me. So he says, Jesus, come on, please invite me. 
Now, the rest of the guys in the boat, it's interesting. They have to be thinking to themselves, you know, if you just want to get on the water, just go get on the water, Peter. I mean, why do you need his permission? If you want to do it, go ahead and do it. Uh, Peter's going, no, I understand this. He's got to ask me first. Because if he asks me and I do what I know how to do, he's going to do what he knows how to do, and this is going to end well. So Jesus, come on, invite me. Bring me out onto the water. Verse 29, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Do you know what Peter did? He did the same thing that he did when he passed out the food. He did what he knew how to do, and he trusted God to do the rest of it. God, I don't know how to walk on water, but the Lord's calling me to walk on water. That's all I need to hear, right? I know how to walk. I know how to get down out of a boat. The water thing's a bit of a trick, but Jesus is calling me, so I'm going to do that. I trust him. He's on the water, so he obviously knows how to walk on water. So I'm going to do what he calls me to do. This is the Christian experience to great extent. I dare you to pray the prayer of Peter. The prayer of Peter is very simple. Lord, please invite me out of my comfort zone. Please invite me out of my comfort zone. God, I want you to use me in the lives of people, but I I don't want to come up with an idea. I I want the assurance that you are there inviting me out of my comfort zone, and then I'm going to do what I know how to do, and I can't wait to see what you do. For some of you, he's been inviting you for some time. Right now, for some of you, it would mean that you would leave this church and go get involved in some ministry. Something, you know, maybe some of you know something you want to do in another part of the world. Um, maybe it means starting an organization. Maybe it means volunteering in one of our children's areas. Maybe, maybe take, did you get one of these? Have you been looking at this this morning? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I just want you to know that we prayed over this list. These are things that are going on in our church right now where we have needs, Okay. Grounds crew, like I said, it's great in the spring. In the summer when it's hot, it's a different story. Children's ministry, need all kinds of help in our children's ministry. Worship team, always need musicians. Well, Brett, I'm, I can play, but I'm not very good. Well, how good do you know? How good could you be if you gave it to God? How good, how good could you be? Um, security team, I don't know if you know it or not, but we got guys walking around this morning trying to keep us safe. And if something were to happen, there's protocol where they would step into action and do certain things just to keep us safe. Host team where people are greeting. We're not doing a whole lot of handshaking today, but, you know, we're smiling. We're happy. We're, you know, elbow bump. We're not even fist bumping these days. Just kind of, hey, how you doing? I mean, just take a look at that. And if something is on there and you're like, you know, I could do that. I could do that. Step into it. Think about this. say, Say it this way. What what would happen to little kids if somebody like me stepped in and got involved to love them? You know, but Brett, I'm not cool. What if they ask me the wrong question? You know, what if they ask me something and I don't know? Jesus says, look, come on. You know how to fill out a form. You know how to get down on your knees and smile. That's what little kids need. They just need somebody to feel like they love them. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind... Peter sees the wind. He's reminded that he couldn't do it. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you of little faith. This is, this is all about faith. You know, this isn't, hey, I've got another idea for a miracle. That's not what's going on here. This is, is kind of an agenda. I'm trying to teach you guys to trust me for the things that you can't do. You of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? 
You started to look at your ability, and the minute you looked at your ability, you took your eyes off me, and that's when it all, Peter, that's when it all went south for you. Now, I don't think Jesus was chastising Peter. I've heard sermons where it sounds like, they make it sound like that's what, you know, Jesus is really getting on Peter. There are 11 guys in the boat that don't get out of the water, out on the water. Peter does. Here's what I think, here's how I think Peter gets addressed by Jesus as he starts to sink. Oh, Peter, you almost had it. You were almost there. You ever had one of your kids try something and they almost achieve success but not quite and they give up right before the point of success and you're like oh don't quit now you you were that close you were almost there oh peter why did you doubt buddy you were so close why did you doubt look at the way this ends and when they climbed into the boat the wind died down it's interesting to me that the wind doesn't die down until this episode is over. So that means Peter is trying to do all this in the wind. Okay? It didn't make sense for Peter to get out of this boat on this water. It didn't, but he was going to try. And then that's when the wind dies down. Verse 33, then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. We suspected it before. We're absolutely convinced now. Um, I've got a lot more that I could say. Honestly, none of that's important. This is what's important. I want to show you three pictures. I want to show you the picture of Tony and Nancy Harp. Um, I love these people. These, these, you're going to see pictures of my youth coaches from youth group. And this is Tony and Nancy Harp. And, and uh, Nancy used to drive a canary yellow, about a 1970 model Torino. As a 15-year-old boy, I coveted this car. I used to tell Nancy, Nancy, you need to give this to me when I turn 16. And she'd say, Brett, I'm not giving you my car. Right? They have loved me and my sister. My sister was in youth group with me about the same time. We love these people. Next couple is Pete and Gladys Marsh. Now, um, I want to respectfully say this. Uh, It's going to sound like I think Pete was stupid. I don't think Pete was stupid. But what I'm saying is I think Pete drove a truck. He, he didn't, wasn't a professor, he's not, he's, he's, he wasn't stupid, but he's not a super intellect, he's not somebody that had a huge vocabulary, he was just a regular Joe Lunchbox kind of guy. And he and Gladys, and Tony and Nancy, and this next couple I'm going to show you in just a minute, but these guys, they would just show up at youth group. They would cart us around and take us swimming and take us to eat and, and, you know, take us to Bible studies. And they were always there, always encouraging us, always smiling, always trying to help us get closer to Jesus. These people, if, I mean, I'm sure Pete, when they said, hey, come be a youth coach, he's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. They were some of the best youth coaches you could imagine. And they didn't bring any great skill to it other than we knew they loved us. We knew they loved us. The next couple is Bob and Bonnie Cooper. We used to call Bob the Latonia Flash. Um, They lived in Latonia. But um, Bob had a heart problem. And the doctors, I mean, he had a heart attack, and they wanted to do surgery, and it was likely going to kill him, and they did the surgery. I think they did the surgery, and they said, you're not going to live long. And so Bob just walked around thinking any day he's going to have this massive heart attack and die. But that didn't stop Bob. He went on youth retreats with us. He came to all of our youth functions. These six people had as much impact on my life as my pastor and my youth pastor, and you know how important they were to me. Now, here's, I want to humbly say this. 
I, I, I thought about how to say this right, so just give me a little grace, okay? I don't think I'm anything special. I don't. But, but God has privileged me to be able to do ministry for almost 40 years. That's a lot of baptisms. That's a lot of funerals. That's a lot of weddings. That's a lot of counseling. That's a lot of hugs. That's a lot of studies and teaching and classes. That's a lot of kids in youth groups. That's a lot of coming in and out the doors. That's a lot of people touches. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has enabled me to have impact on the lives of other people. How much, I don't know, that's up to God to decide. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, I'm just simply trying to say this. I don't think any of those six people or me ever expected this. I don't think any of them expected this. But this, 40 years of this is what happens when you invest that little bit that you can invest. And you say, I don't know how God's going to use it. Those six people, none of them you would look at and go, they were extraordinarily gifted and talented. Now, they're great people, and I love them dearly. But there was nothing special about them other than they were willing to take what they had, give it to God. God used it, not just in my life. I'm not the only one that left our youth group and went into ministry. There's a bunch of us because these people said, we're feeling a nudge. We're being called out of the boat into the water. We don't know how to walk on water. But Lord, if you say so, we'll do it. And I cannot tell you, in first service I broke down and cried and I'm a little better prepared this morning. I can't tell you what these people mean to me. They changed my life. Whose life could you change? If you said, God, I hear you, I'm scared to death, but I'll do it. I was scared to death to get into ministry. The day I graduated, I looked at God and said, well, God, I got the, I got the diploma now. You can take me. Come on back. <laughs> I don't want to have to do, I, you know, I'm scared to do ministry. It'd be great if, if the world would end just right now so I don't have to actually do it. No, God said, no, I'm going to use you. Come on, let's go. What could God do with you if you said yes? Let's pray. Father, we spent a lot of time talking about this sermon. We've prayed over it. Um, we had big plans for it. You've brought the people here that needed to hear it. I don't know who you're going to call and what you're going to call them into, but I know that there's got to be people in this room that have been saying no to you. And I pray that they would stop saying no. I pray that they would get to a place where they say, you know what, it's time for me to be, have my faith muscles stretched. Who knows what God could do in me and through me if I just gave myself to him. So, Father, whatever that looks like, whoever you need in here, I'm trusting you to speak to them in these moments. I pray that you would not leave them alone this week. I pray that you would bug them with this message all week. God, none of us are any good, but you're awesome. And you can take what we give you, and you can make it things that we never dreamed it would be. And so that's my prayer, that whatever little bit we've got in our hand, you would look at us and say, what is that? And we would explain it and we would minimize it and tell you it's not much. And then you would say, I don't care. Give that to me. And watch me use that little bit. Father, help us. Increase our faith. Make us strong. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.